Hey, good morning, everybody. It's about 8.40 a.m. on this TGIF Friday, as well as this Valentine's Day uh, as well. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. And if you're an MLP fan and you see the title of this video, happy Hearts and Hooves Day, if you will. But yeah, I am here to discuss something that pretty much uh, I was thinking about discussing not the, you know, long ago. Actually, I was thinking about it. You know, I actually mentioned it, I think, in my update video that I wanted to do something along these lines. And that's talk about uh, the shipped couples. Yes. The shipped um, couples. Oops. In... My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and its spin off, I should say, its spin off, uh, Equestria Girls. And basically, it's the description that you will find in the description box is I want to discuss basically the, I want to discuss unscripted and uncut, just so that you guys know, the various shipped couples that have come out of Friendship is Magic and Equestria Girls. So I want to do that because, you know, I just feel like it needs to be. I know I've talked about it before. I, I know people have said you I know people point out that, oh, you've talked about this before and everything. And, you know, it, it's true. I have. And I'm not denying that. You know, I'm, I'm not denying that whatsoever. Um, but basically, I felt like, you know, it's Valentine's Day. And, you know, some people, you know, they, that are longtime fans of the show, they know that the show is primarily about friendship. There's, um, there's no doubt about that, that it's primarily about friendship, or at least that's the focal point of it. But the one thing about the show over its history, it, it's basically been shown to be more than that. And I think that's where a lot of fans uh, would look at and say, yeah, you're right. It has been more than that. It's, it's actually a lot more than we thought. Because when one thinks about it, guys, uh, when one thinks about it, the show mainly should be about friendship, right? But it's not. It's not primarily about friendship. What it is, guys, is it's more than that. It's actually uh, more than that. And we see that. We see that in the show. We see throughout the various near-decade run of the show and it's spin-off, if you will, that it's more than that. There is more involved here than, you know, I, I think we want to give it credit for. So with that said, with, with that said, let's, uh, let's get into uh, this video, shall we? 
let's uh, let's get into this video because there's a lot of couples that we want. I want to kind of discuss, and I know some of the obvious people are gonna want me to discuss are going to be mentioned. So, without further ado, guys, as I put in a few last details here on my uh, YouTube page, or at least the live stream that is. Uh, but let's talk about um. Let's talk about a couple. Let's start off, obviously, guys, with the first real official couple to come out of uh, friendship is magic. As a matter of fact, it really surprised a lot of people, unless you were paying attention to like the toys being sold uh, and stuff like that. The, but the first real legit couple to come out, and I know people might say, well, that's not entirely true, and I'll get into that in a moment. But the first real official legit couple was Cadence and Shining Armor. Shining Armor, of course, is Twilight's big brother. Cadence used to be uh, Twilight's foal sitter, her babysitter, if you will, when she was younger. And they used to be... And basically because of Cadence being Twilight's full sister, Twilight and Cadence became BFFs, like best friends forever. And in a sense, Cadence became like an older sister to to Spike, like a cousin, but basically like an older sister to him. a second, Kind of like a stepsister, but a sister entirely. And even though it doesn't go into the detail, even though it doesn't go into detail uh, in the animated series of how, you know, Shining Armor and Cadence got together, except for knowing each other due to the fact that Cadence was, excuse me there, was Twilight's full sitter. The comic, actually, the IDW comic actually goes into it. They actually go into some detail of how these two got together. And we find out that the mutual attraction both ha- that the attraction is mutual. It's like Shining Armor is doing everything he can uh, in the comic flashback to impress Cadence, to win Cadence over. Unbeknownst to him, she wants to do whatever it takes to win him over. Sorry about that. Just had a itch right there, morning itch. Uh, but Anyway, she wants to do everything she can, you know, to win him over. And it's like, okay, okay, this this is interesting. I mean, if you follow the comic as well as the uh, the cartoon or the animated series, uh, basically. Uh, basically, you know, the the flashback that they give us in that issue is pretty good because it fills in that gap of how these two got together and why they eventually got married in the season two finale. So, Cadence and Shining Armor were the first real official, if you will, a legitimate couple in the series. And 
And to really kind of emphasize this, one of the songs that's on one of the first soundtracks released digitally and on CD is Love is in Bloom, sang by Twilight. I mean, heck, Spotify and Pandora and Amazon Music Unlimited basically say it's Twilight Sparkle singing it. <laughs> you know? uh, but anyway, it, it's actually the first song officially used. And what's interesting is a lot of fellow bronies and sisters out there actually use that song when they get married. And that's the one thing that the series, when it comes to that kind of, um, it kind, and, and that's the one thing, what I'm trying to say is that's the one thing the series did that a lot of people actually enjoyed. It was the fact that it brought couples together from a, within the fan base. It brought them together. Uh, good examples recently are Dal Wilsonator, Will, and Midnight Sonata, Katie Patterson, Despio being Dal Wilsonator, Will, and Midnight Sonata being Katie Patterson. And then the most recent one being Josh Scorcher and Ari or Aramount, the fiery secretary, firebrand of FBO, uh, firebrand of FOB Equestria, and uh, Aramount, the fiery secretary, you know, getting together. I think you also have, uh, I think it's Eliora got together with her husband. Kichi's going to get together with somebody, I believe. Eve, uh, the show basically brought a lot of couples uh, within the fan base together. And a lot, I'm not saying this is true because I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure some of them may have had an MLP theme to the wedding. As a matter of fact, one of the, some of the photos that uh, Will and Katie uh, shared, or at least some people that were at the wedding shared, they showed one, they showed the car that they were going to drive off in. And somebody put in the the song the song title on there. You know how you can write with your finger and everything after it's been spray painted or put confetti on it or whatever. Somebody put on there in words the song title "Love Is in Bloom." So it, it definitely it definitely. Um, It definitely, to me, shows you the impact that this series had, especially from a romantic standpoint, and the fact that the song that gets used a lot when it comes to weddings based around weddings between, you know, people that met each other within the fan base, that one of the themes or songs, you know, utilized or at least referenced is Love is in Bloom, which came from the two-part of Cantalot Wedding. And I know people have had their opinion about Cadence ever since then, but Kate, but let's be honest. When the creative team, whether it's the comics or it's the show, when they're given a chance to let loose a little bit with these characters, these characters can shine. You want a good example of that? You know, look at Cadence in recent years, especially with Best Gift Ever. Need I say more? So... Anyway, though, anyway, though, yeah, Cadence and Shining Armor officially were the first official legit couple in the series. 
to really show, in my opinion, that this series is more than just about friendship. But now that gets us to another couple. That gets us to another couple out there. And that is Spike and Rarity. And of course, I've talked about this a lot. In fact, it was a video that somebody did last year that kind of, even though they didn't agree with, um, you know, Spike and Rarity kind of being together, and I'm just adjusting the mic there a little bit. Do apologize. But even though they didn't agree with Spike and Rarity uh, getting together, um, they they understood by the way after after they did all their research and everything, they understood that realistically, you know, again after all the math and everything they did, you know, through the ages and timeline and all that. They did agree that, yeah, Spike is legally, if you think about it, realistically and legally able to be with Rarity despite his size. Despite his size, he's still able to be, he is able to be with Rarity. And there are, again, some people that may not approve of that because they still look at Spike as, hold on for a second. Just have, oh, sorry, let me adjust the mic there for a second. There we go. But like I said, um, basically, there are some that just don't feel like Spike should be with Rarity uh, due to the fact that he's still a small dragon. Now, yeah, it is, it is confirmed that uh, basically when the series began in the earlier seasons, mostly in the earlier episodes of the first season, and I don't know if it traced, and I don't know if it carried on to the uh, second season. It might have. Uh, it might have, I should say. Uh, Spike was still looked at, or still referenced, I should say, um, as a baby dragon. He was still referenced as a baby dragon. And I, I know that some people would stick to that due to the fact that, you know, just by the fact that he's young, but not young, but the fact that he's small for his size, you know, it, it pretty much does kind of confirm it a little bit. You know, it, it does. Um. You know, it does kind of confirm it. And hello, Sonic Hitch. Nice to see you in the live chat. Uh, but it does kind of confirm it. Um, Hermit at times. And hold on for a sec.
Sorry about that. And I'm going to adjust my mic here for a second. Again, I do apologize. I had to check on my dog. She just woke up from a nap there or some kind of a dream or something. I'm just going to check my mic here. Hold on, guys. Okay. All right. Okay, um, just adjusting the mic there a little bit, making sure nothing's disconnected. And uh, hold on. There we go. But anyway, yeah, it's like, you know, it's pretty much utilized throughout the first two seasons, or at least the first season and a half of the series, that, you know, Spike is a baby dragon. But thankfully, I think as time went on, they dropped that. They drop that um, saying because when you get into uh, the episode that Sonic Cage just brought up, which I do agree that if you want to watch any, you know, Hearts and Hoofs Day related episodes, of course, watch the ones that are based around Hearts and Hoofs Day, the version of Valentine's Day. But also watch if you're a Sparity fan or you kind of find the 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 pairing adorable or cute. Check out Secret of My Excess and Dragon Dropped. It really addresses a lot of stuff there. It really does. But also, if you're in a holiday mood and you want to watch something that, even though it's Christmas based, um, is you know does have adult has a spike moment in there for rarity. You know, best gift ever is probably the best way to go. Um, but anyway, long story short. Long story short, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, but long story short, if you if you take away the the baby aspect, it was used only for a short term. When you get to Secret of My Excess, that really kind of tells the tale, or really I think emphasizes the ship right there. Now. I can't say whether or not Lohenfels planned for Secret of My Access to be the crescendo, basically be the be-all, end-all, or the culmination of this crush. I, I, can't, I can't really say that is true. But obviously the way it plays out, it feels like it has some kind of semi-finality, like at least it's acknowledged that Rarity knows about Spike's crush. She knows how he feels about her. And before anybody says anything, one of the things that people argue about this episode is they always felt like Rarity manipulated Spike into giving him or giving her the fire ruby that he had preserved for himself. Long story short, Spike, this is, a, this is centered around, at first, Spike's birthday. It's Spike's, Excuse me, <laughs> trying to find my words here. It's Spike's first birthday in Ponyville outside of Cantalot. So what's he do for this birthday? He basically preserves this heart-shaped fire ruby for his birthday, and he plans to eat said ruby as a gift to himself. 
Now, that was the plan. <laughs> I guess you could say, I don't know how you would say this. Um, I don't know if it's unfortunate or, hold on for a second. And that's the wrong number. But like I said, I don't know if you could consider it um, bad timing or it's just coincidental. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how you could uh, look at it. Um, I don't know. If, again, I can't think of the wording. I don't know if it's bad timing ironic or you know the stars just aligned or something like that even though it was the daytime or cupid was in vicinity at that time who knows uh but basically spike but basically just when you think spike's gonna enjoy this fire ruby for himself and he even has a special case for it right rarity shows up now, Rarity basically is, was coming over to Twilights to read up on some books about fashion design, about possible future fashion designs she could use, right? Well, the first thing that catches her eye when she enters that door is the freaking Fire Ruby. And she tries her best to come. And here's the thing about Rarity. We, we will admit this. She... <laughs> She gets, if it's not a stallion or maybe a future grown-up version of Spike that gets her smitten, it's a jewel, It's a piece of jewelry that's just, like, beyond believable. And here's the thing. Again, this is where people take issue. Rarity is smitten by this, but she doesn't come out and say, I want it. I want you to give it to me, Spike. No. Spike explains to her what he's going to do. Now, at first, she's a little hurt by that. And being an expertise in jewels, just like Spike is, she kind of explains the rarity, if you will, of finding something like that. I think that's what happens. But anyway, long story short, she's willing to basically let Spike keep it and Spike easily. Now, uh, let's be honest. Yes, it does look like it does look like she's trying her best to get him to give it to her. But he's. But here's the thing. He's relu- He's not. He's not persuaded. He's not persuaded. And you know, Rarity's like, okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to leave it at that. But finally, you know, Spike. I. I don't know if he was thinking. Again, I have to rewatch the episode. I don't know if Spike was rethinking it or, you know, thinking about what Rarity was saying. But in the end, since, because I think one of the things Rarity points out that that if he eats that ruby, that's it. It's gone. You know, what, what's, what's the reason for that? What is basically, I think what she points out is, what was the purpose of you preserving this thing if all you're going to do is eat it? There's no real purpose. It pretty much 
you know, it doesn't have a reason to exist anymore if all it's going to be is eaten. And again, I don't know, maybe she pointed out the rarity of it. Maybe somebody can correct me. But but you know here's the thing it's it's mostly like but basically what it, i think what happened i'm going to look this up guys hold on but basically what happens is spike is not manipulated because if he was manipulated he would have given it to her right off the bat because of his feelings for her but he didn't he was going to put it in the case preserve it for later but I guess Rarity said something about, you know, okay, well, if you do this, it's going to be gone. What happens? What happens next? What you gonna, How are you going to get another one? You know, it, I think it's the rarity of the shape of the jewel. Like, you're not going to find another one like it. So, long story short, Spike thinks about it, holds it, holds it to his chest, and basically acknowledges, well, you know what? If it means that much to you, and you know the significance of it, it's better off with you or, or something like that. I think, I think that's what it is. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm going to look up the transcript here. Hold on. Go look up the transcript because I know they have a transcript. Hold on. Okay, so Okay, so she's basically complimenting it. She acknowledges the carrots it is. Uh, carrots it is. You know how beautiful it is. And she's never seen anything like anything uh, quite as stunning. Uh, she's never seen anything quite so stunning before. And Spike's hearing this and he's like, oh, you, you really think so? And then what he does is that he takes a breath. He says, then you should have it. This beautiful gem was meant to be with you. And there you go. That's basically what happens. He was not manipulated. He was not manipulated because she basically says, you know, because when he says delicious, it's like, you know, she doesn't, it doesn't register with rarity for, for at least a second. But You know, it doesn't register for a bit, for at least for a second or a minute. And uh, basically, Rarity, she's going to go back to uh, looking up, because Rarity came over to Twilight's to look, see if she had any books on historical fashion, right? So, anyway, long story short, 
Rarity's like, oh, yeah, I just came by to see if you had any books on historical fashion. And then suddenly she's just like, I think this is when it dawns on her, what Spike just said. She's like, eh, did you say delicious? And it's like, it just dawned on her, like, wait a minute, you're going to eat that thing? You're going to eat this? You know, so it's like, you know, so she, she's trying to, like, you know, being rarity, you know, she's trying to be generous. She's trying to be like, okay, you know, fine. You know, he's going to eat it. That's great. But she looks back to him and she says, I just, she says, basically says words like she hopes it's as tasty as it is beautiful because she's never seen anything like it before. And Spike's like, do you really like it, huh? And then she does that, that uh, little, um, what is that, screenshot we get, that little meme we get with her saying it's magnificent. Spike then sighs and then hands it to her and says it's meant to be with her. So basically, if you read the script, for those that were always thinking he's getting manipulated, he was not manipulated. Spike was not manipulated here. Spike generously gave the ruby to Rarity. He was not manipulated. I, I don't know why people keep thinking he was, but he wasn't. You got to go back, read the script. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to, well, for a sec, I'm going to add this. I'm going to add it here so that people, when they look at this, can see exactly the fact that Spike was not manipulated. He willingly gave it to her. He willingly gave his fire ruby to Rarity. That's what he did. He was not manipulated, and people need to understand that. He was not. So anyway... So anyway, that's not the only thing about this uh, relationship. Now, after Secret of My Excess, they did still touch upon it several times throughout the years, throughout the seasons. They touched upon it uh, in Dragon Quest. They kind of hinted and touched upon it in the two-part premiere of, the, of Season 3. You know, they had the moments, I think, in Season 4. You know... They had uh, the moments in season five. As a matter of fact, one of the moments that a lot of people uh, point out about Spike and Rarity um, in season five, I think, is Scaremaster uh, towards the end. Well, not just towards the end, but it's also like during the climax of the episode with a running scare through the maze and Rarity trips on her mermaid tail of a costume and Spike goes back and picks her up you know, by his hand, like, you know, he goes right back towards her. Because his thing, she falls. Yeah, he did that with Pinky later on, but basically it's like they focus specifically on that moment. Um, but anyway, long story short, there were moments in there, like 
when the in the cave or underground under the farm and they hear this thumping they hear this big thumping when you look at them kind of gathering together in a group uh, huddling together wondering what's going on you notice that Rarity puts her hoof up like this and Spike kind of gets like next to her, almost like she's going to, he's going to hold her hand. Like, okay. You know, that, that was a surprise. Like, Oh, he's going to hold her hand. So anyway, um, getting to the end when it, when they're basically scared, basically scared witless. We'll put it that way. Rarity is holding on to Spike. They're all scooting back almost to the edge. And she's holding on the spike real tightly. And somebody took this screenshot at Divinar. Somebody at Divinar took this screenshot and typed in the words, grabbing spike a little tight there, a rarity. It's like to them, it's too obvious of the fact that, yeah, even though Megan McCarthy has come out, even though Megan McCarthy came out around that time frame and said it would never happen, she knows, she knows fans want to see it. She knew fans. Uh, wanted to see it happen, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about Megan. She kind of stayed true to her word, but she didn't ignore it entirely. Because if she ignored it, because if she ignored it entirely, then we wouldn't have moments like that. We wouldn't have had an episode like Inspiration Manifestation, you know, you know, despite the fact that it wasn't heavy on the rarity spike shipping, you know, some people like Miss Anthropony points out it treated them more like BFs, you know, best friends. Um, even though, you know, even though it, you know, wasn't, you know, like that strong. The truth is, though, we wouldn't have episodes like that. We wouldn't have had the sweet, yes, the sweet talking moment. Oops, uh, <laughs> it's the wrong thing here, guys. Hold on. Have to go back here for a second. Hold on. But we you know we wouldn't have the moment between that little like sweet talk moment between Rarity and Spike and Sweet Castle and and Castle Sweet Castle, where she had to basically convince him to go distract Twilight. That's literally what she had to do. She had to distract him. She had to get him to go to uh, uh, go and distract Twilight because they were fixing up her um, her house, if you will. And I'm trying to find where my where I put my link at here. Oh, here it is. But you know, she had to sweet talk him, and we wouldn't have moments like that if Megan fully ignored it. I mean, it's like she basically emphasized, I think when she em- emphasized that it would never happen, basically it's more like, yeah, on my watch, it won't. Uh, basically, I think what Megan was getting at is, yeah, you're not going to have moments like what we got later on if while I'm still kind of running things, while I'm still kind of, you know, in charge of, of, the, of the whole scenario. So... But, you know, but she wasn't ignoring it. And I think Megan knew that the support for the ship was growing and growing and growing. So she just put in moments here and there. And I think a lot of the people she worked with at the time, like 
Jim Miller, Josh Haber, Nicole Dubuque, who was working under her, just like I think she worked under Lauren Faust, uh, and, and several others, M.A. Larson, Amy Keene Rogers, you know, you name it. I think they all kind of convinced her, look, you know, you don't have to make it a big deal. All you have to do is just say, here's the moment, here's the moment, there you go. And that's why, to me, and that's why, you know, I'm sorry about that. Let me just, uh, just my mic there, just hit my thing. All right. Just adjusting the mic, guys. Sorry about that. You know, but, hold on. There we go. But like I said, you know, that's why it's still around. Because I think Megan, even though she wasn't a big fan of it, she knew, she realized, hey, you know, fans, they're still fans and supporters of it. So I'm just going to throw in a moment here, uh, here and there, just to, you know, say, just basically state that, hey, I, I'm not a fan of it, but at least I know it's part of the fan base. It's part of what made My Little Pony Friendship is Magical, what is making Friendship is Magic very popular uh, in the eyes of a lot of fans. It's one of the reasons fans tune in. It's one of the reasons I tuned in, finally, and gave it a chance. Not just because of Luna, but because of, you know, Spike and Rarity, and the fact that, you know, here's this character in Spike that's trying to win the heart of this fashionista pony that's pretty much known as a generous individual, and he's doing what he can to, you know, win, you know, be with her. And I like that. It's like it's a never say die attitude with him. Um, but the thing is, overall, um, but I think overall, you know, like I said, Megan wasn't a fan that much, but at least she had respect enough for the fan base that at least even though she said it would never happen, I think I was at BabsCon 2014, that at least she did put moments in there once in a while, you know, and, you know, to at least acknowledge its existence, at least acknowledge that, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the franchise, you know, it's part of what made the show, it's part of what makes the show special and makes characters like Spike and Rarity fan favorites. So, you know, here you go. And the fact that she added elements of it in the movie itself, the 2017 movie, is pretty much saying something there. Now, after Megan left, like I said, after Megan left, Nicole Dubuque took over. And I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I noticed that the moment Nicole took over, the moment that Nicole took over, that's when we started getting spot the spotlight put back on Asperity. That's when we started to get it again. And how do we know this? How do we know this? How about the follow-up episode to another couple that I'll get into in a moment? How about Breakup Breakdown, which was a Hearts and Hoofs Day episode? And in this episode... You know, Spike's trying to teach Discord what, you know, why Hearts and Hoofs Day and romance and all that is special, right? So what does Spike do to show this as an example? He brings out a freaking big heart-shaped 
card that he's made with a poem for rarity. Now, I ask you, if Megan McCarthy was still the executive producer, would we have seen that? Probably not. But that's what he does. He brings that out. And that's another good – and that right there was pretty much the first indication of, oh, so it is still strong. It, 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 so, uh, I mean, to me, and I think anybody else, that was a surprise. Like That moment was a surprise. It's like, oh, so spike in rarity, sparity is still a thing here. Okay, cool. Now, some like Anthro- like Map, Miss Anthropony, and a few others didn't like the idea that it was getting referenced again because even they thought after a while, I thought we got over this. I thought it was done. But it's not. And I think secretly, well, not secretly, but I think honestly, Nicole Dubuque's a fan of it. I really do. Uh, but anyway, we get that moment. Then we get the follow-up episode, which is Meltdown, and you get a moment. And it's pretty much a Spike Rarity episode because they have separate things happen to them at the same time. But it opens up with them walking together to go meet Pee-wee, who's grown up, the fi- the Phoenix Firebird, whatever he is. And Rarity's thankful for Spike doing this for her. And Spike says, hey, anything for you? You know, it's come on. It's like, seriously, it's like, who, who, are you, who are you trying to joke? Who are you trying to joke there? I mean... I mean, you have Spike and Rarity moments in this episode, even while Spike's going through his situation. And who's the one that saves Rarity when she's falling alongside Zakora? Is it Twilight? No, Twilight grabs Zakora. Spike grabs Rarity. And it ends with the two. You know, yeah, Spike's being used as a flying model for a dress, but he, he's not angry. He just sighs like, huh, that's just Rarity for... You know, he just has this sigh, the smile and the sign. He just sighs and smiles like, well, that's rarity. That's rarity for you. You know, that's why I like her. So, yeah, it's like, you know, you have that. Then you have the finale where you have a moment here and there, a few moments, like when they're in Tartarus, they stand next to each other. A few, a few times. Then you have even before that, when the magic is being drained out. And Spike's basically choking on a letter being sent by Celestia. Who's the one that comes to his aid? Rarity. Rarity's the one that comes to his aid. So you have those. And then you get the best gift ever. And best gift ever pretty much at the end solidifies or semi-officialize Spike and Rarity. And I've said this many times before. When you listen to Spike's ballad, his version of the true gift to given, his part, he's singing it in a serenade, romantic kind of way. And the imagery pretty much throughout that moment between the two characters speaks volumes. Pretty much says that, yeah, he's singing a love song to this girl. He's singing a love song to her. He's basically telling her that I love you. I've loved, always loved you, and you mean, and you mean a lot to me. You are very special to me. And the imagery just works. I mean, she put, I mean, Rarity put in the hoof over her heart. The star slash sparkles in her eyes, a la Lady in the Tramp. I'm Lady in the Tramp. And then the way Spike ends it by saying, singing the last line, line of "I hope it didn't ruin your holiday," and and he just. 
does it the way and the way he sings it that ending it's like come on seriously what what are you guys what are you guys it's like come on you guys can't hide it you guys can't you can't hide the obvious here you can't hide it whatsoever and the fact that when twilight sings her portion of it and she when she gets the spike Ike, and she says uh what was the line um Well, spreading love far and wide. She she gets she says that line when she gets the spike saying spreading love far and wide. It's like you're you're having her say, utilize the word love, spreading love far and wide, when she gets the spike after he's been kissed by rarity on the cheek. And that's the one thing I will admit they should have at least done for this. They should have changed it to where rarity kissed him on the lips, not not the cheek. But yeah, it's a kid. It it's still a kid show. We got to remember. That you you want to push the envelope so far, right? So anyway, long story short, um, at the end of that, when they're all picked up by the <laughs> by the uh, um, by the Winterzilla, Rarity's right next to Spike. Spike's in front of her. Rarity's right there, and she's looking down on him, and she holds it, and it's you know the brought next to each other towards the end. And then you get into season nine, and season nine may have not been as prolific, but it did have its moments. Like at the beginning, the first 30 seconds of Between Dark and Dawn, as I mentioned before, uh, Spike gets caught up with this tree that's getting eaten by this giant tortoise, and Rarity's the first out of the group to run towards Spike and call him by his sweet nickname, Spikey Wikey, but she's the first one to run towards him. And it's like, okay, that's evidence. And then you get Summer Sunset back, and again, some would use that as being similar to Inspiration Manifestation, but still, you could have paired up Spike with anybody, else, any pony else, and it would have worked, but it was rarity. And then you get to the finale, and then that's a good one, because a lot of people were hoping this moment would happen, and it did. You have Rarity and Spike paired off during the final climax. Spike gets shot right in the back by Crystalis. Rarity, the moment she sees this, instantly turns around, puts on a freaking shield to protect her and Spike. And then when that breaks, Spike comes to her aid, breathing his fire towards uh, Crystalis. And then they combine both the powers, both Spike and Rarity. And just for a brief moment, it's enough before Crystalis finally just lets loose you know, kind of backs away and it just lets out a big blast to blow them, to blow them away or basically blow, uh, blow them away, sep- you know, separate from each other. For a brief second, when they both combine their powers, it's overpowering Crystalis. And it's like, even though it's not, even though people would say, oh, that's not enough evidence, it's enough evidence, uh, in my opinion, to basically say, yeah, these you know the show staff knows what they're doing they they know what they're doing you know no matter how you feel about it they know what they're doing and you can't deny that i mean even with the ending song who is rarity always next to in the final song in the last episode spike if you want a good example it's right there and i guess there's some kind of indication because 
According to one person, they commented that when Rarity says she would have been there sooner, but it was busy in Yakistan, some interpretate that by saying that if it wasn't busy, she would probably arrive with Spike, kind of indicating that Spike probably went to go get her, but she basically told Spike to, you know, go ahead of her because she has to take care of some, but she will be there. Kind of, some people might interpretate that as saying, yeah, they're probably together, but it's not in a way that's like, oh, they're going to arrive together and all that. They're just, you know, together. You know, they're together now. They're more than just friends, if you will. They're kind of in a relationship that, even though it's not the way people would want or were hoping to see, it's it's there. At least it's, it's acknowledged. And you get all this imagery, like I said. And it's not just the show either. The show, it's not just the show. You take a look at the comic book and the end of the Nightmare Rarity arc and how part of the focus of that was Spike being the one, the key be the final key to restore rarity to free her from the nightmare magic. And the fact that the last image you see in the last panel is Spike being held tight by rarity with a heart emoji above him alongside all the other characters. And then if you want to talk about other extensions, how about Equestria Girls? The fact that, what is it? The, what is it? The final, um, what is it, the dance scene? Who does Rarity take with her? <laughs> Who does a question girl Rarity take with her? Spike. And it's like, and somebody even commented this on Divinod, once again putting the words to an image, saying, no matter what the species, these two are meant for each other. <laughs> uh, but And here's the thing, too. Here's the thing, too. Um, when you get to merchandise, and I mentioned this yesterday in my live stream, and my topics on my mind, when you get to the merchandise, that's that has some uh, sparity moments on there, or at least sparity imagery. Uh, there was a gift set that came out last year, and I showed this yesterday in my uh, Topics on My Mind video. And there's Valentine's Day card boxes as well at various retailers. And on this um, gift set, or in this gift set, as well as on the various Valentine's Day boxes, you have an image of Spike on with rarity. And the one thing about what I have is it has Fluttershy flying above looking like freaking Cupid, and you have rarity and Spike on the bottom. It's like, uh, are you trying to say something, Hasbro? Because I think, I mean, let's be honest, Hasbro and the creative staff over at the show, you know, behind the show and even the comic, I think they all know. They all realize that, you know, fans fans like these two together. They find them adorable. They find it cute. You know, they wished it would have been officialized. I think it was, honestly, semi-officially. I think it was done in a semi-official way. Like, uh, if you take a look at Dragon Dropped, um, I think Despio, a.k.a. Del Wilsonator, uh, said it best in his review at Voice of Reason. He basically said that it, it's accumulated, that he looks at it like, because the way Rarity acted in this episode and Dragon Dropped, it's like, come on, what more do you have to say? I mean, Despio said it best. If it, it was like Rarity felt like she was being cheated on, you know, by Spike when Spike was spending time with Gabby. But then you have the last thing where Spike comes back 
um, holds Rarity's hoof and basically says he's always going to want his Rarity time. Now, I want you to notice something, too. When he comes back to help Rarity at the cave and he hugs her and he basically explains that he and Gabby had a good time, you know, Gabby the Griffin, you know, on her route, Rarity has that <laughs> smiling, that grinny smile. That kind of show that you kind of tell she's a bit jealous when she hears about that. Like there's a bit of jealousy right there. But when he Spike basically holds out his hand for a hoof, he says, "But I always want my rarity time." It's like, okay, we get it. And then Pinky's pot, Pinky's line saying, "Oh, so that's how it goes." It's like, come on. It's like seriously, guys. Yeah, that too. The holiday comic that just came out. Thanks for pointing that out, uh, Bugs. Uh, basically, yeah, that too. They here's the thing. They could have dedicated. Here's the thing. They could have dedicated any other, any other uh, characters to that story, but they went with Spike and Rarity. And Spike getting a date with Rarity that's besides gem hunting. All he has to do is say, well, would you like some company? There you go. And it's a good story. You guys need to check it out. You need to check out the holiday annual, the annual holiday issue of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic by IDW 2019. You need to check that out. It's really good. It's really good. But, um, yeah, Spike and Rarity, uh, the relationship throughout the whole franchise, to the franchise as a whole, no matter how you feel about it, you got to admit that it's one of the reasons people tuned in and helped make this show a phenomenon, you know, the phenomenon that it is. Because I think one of the things fans always wanted to hopefully see was some kind of uh, finality. Now, a lot of people that reviewed Dragon Dropped acknowledged that it wasn't a finality. It was just left the door open. But it kind of clarified things that, yeah, Rarity, she has a thing for Spike. But, you know, from, you know, a context, if you will, so from a certain context and, you know, in the point of view of other fans, she um, she may not show it as much as she should. But in this case, I think she did when you look at Dragon Dropped. So that's about it there. But speaking of Spike, I want to go back to Best Gift Ever. Now, the synopsis for Best Gift Ever was they were doing a Secret Center or a a Heartswarming Helper scenario. Basically, the version of Secret Santa. So Spike... When he hears about this, um, you know, goes, you know, everybody, because everybody likes the idea of just getting one present for one pony or dragon. And Spike is like, he's smitten about this because he's like, because he's right next to freaking Rarity. And he's like, well, you can get the pony and you get some for the pony. uh, Something like, he said something along the lines of, You get the pony you like something really special, you know. So here's what happens. 
They do the drawing of who's going to get what, and Spike initially gets Rainbow Dash. Now, you might think that's an interesting concept, but Spike realizes he doesn't know what to get Rainbow Dash, but he, but he's going to figure out he doesn't know what to get Rainbow Dash. So he goes on a quest to try to see who has rarity because if he exchanges with them, then that pony will be able to get Rainbow Dash something because they know Rainbow better than he does. So he goes to various others like Applejack. He goes to Twilight. He goes to Pinky. All of them are saying, we don't have rarity. We don't have rarity. We don't have rarity. So he finally runs, he finally finds the person that has it, and that's Fluttershy. And, you know, being a dragon, he has his dragon tendencies, right? So he ends up basically doing a fast talk trade, you know, with uh, a fast talk trade like, you know, with, with Fluttershy, he fast talks her, you know, doing his dragon thing, but he fast talks her into trading names with her. So Fluttershy goes from having Rarity to Rainbow Dash, and Spike goes from having Rainbow Dash to having Rarity. And he's happy about this, but he doesn't know uh, what to get her. Until later on, like I mentioned, when he sings the song to her. But it's after he makes the trade that Applejack arrives. Now, here's what gets interesting. I mentioned that, obviously, the creative staff on the show knows about the Rarity Spike deal. They've known about it pretty much, you know, Spike trying to get Rarity that gives is a central moment or a subplot here, a big one, if you will. But it's after Spike leaves, after successfully trading with Fluttershy, that Applejack comes up. And when Fluttershy is like, oh, do you want to trade too? And she's like, uh, no. And then we get the revelation of who got Spike. We find out that Applejack didn't, because we find out, because when uh, Applejack says, no, I don't want to, because, you know, Fluttershy is like, like, oh, do you want to trade too? And Applejack's like, uh, no. But then she says, but I need you to help me, but I need help trying to get a present for Spike. And it's like, wait a minute. Applejack got Spike, right? Now, I'm sure Disney Fanatic was kind of thrilled by this. Because one of the things that Disney Fanatic and others have been doing on YouTube over the past several years is they put these little montage complimentary videos together or contemporary videos of moments throughout the seasons between characters. And there's two videos, as far as I knew, maybe three, of Applejack Spike moments that were put together. And I know Disney Fanatic was probably smiling from ear to ear because Disney Fanatic. Disney Fanatic basically. Uh, hold on for a sec. Let me see if I get the name right. Disney Fanatic two three six four. Disney Fanatic two three six four. Basically, in case you guys don't know, is responsible for the creation of the Discord series, the Bride of Discord, the sequel Daughter of Discord, and the new prequel to Daughter of Discord. And originally, she had made this after, I think, what was it, season three or season four? I think it was after season three or something like that. 
season. See, it was after Spike, after the episode Spike at your service. Because basically, Disney Fanatic took what happened in that episode and used it as a catalyst in brighter Discord to pretty much reveal that Applejack had fallen in love with Spike. And it would take to the end of the story of Brighter Discord for Spike to acknowledge, uh, kind of feel the same way about Applejack. And they just went from there. So I know Disney Fanatic was smiling from ear to ear about that when the revelation was that Applejack had drawn Spike's name in the Secret Santa slash Heartswarming Helper. And, you know, here's the thing about Applejack and Spike. I've I've done a video on this already. But would it work? Could it work if they wanted to go with it? Or if they wanted to go that direction? And the comics could still do that. But would it work? It's up to how it you know, how it comes together, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but, you know, it's like, you know, you can't, but it's like, what I'm trying to get at is, I'm not saying it's not possible. But what I am saying is, when you look at these characters, and you base the possible romance off of one episode as the foundation for it, yeah, it could be understandable that maybe that starts the building blocks. Now, I can understand in any other animated series that an episode like that does and has started the building blocks towards a relationship between the two characters. Now, I would, and if they would have done it here, I would believe it. But I think the reason this pairing always gets talked about a lot in a positive light over Spike and Rarity is the fact that Applejack's the element of honesty and she's always going to be straightforward with you no matter what. And I think that's why Disney Fanatic was cool with it or wanted it to happen because she's not going to BS Spike about certain things. Because in Bride of Discord, she pretty much has Applejack tells the Cora that Spike doesn't realize that Rarity just wants to be BFFs with him and nothing more. So, so you know, there you go. But again, again, do I think it would? Do I think it could be possible for it to happen? Yeah, I, I think it could be. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a possibility. I'm not saying it can't happen. But again, it's based off just one little uh, scenario. Now, thankfully, Disney Fanatic did later on in uh, future installments of Bride of Discord and Daughter of Discord acknowledge that she had come up with a story before season four became official and that we should look at these two stories and the prequel as being in an alternate universe. In other words, very identical to the prime Friendship is Magic universe, but, you know, slightly different when it comes to maybe certain perspectives or couples and all that. But, Again, could it work? Yeah, I, I think it could, but I think you need to build it in a way that, well, I think honestly, Disney Fanatic did. You know, build it to where it takes one character to realize, hey, I have these feelings for this character, and 
I want to be with this person, but they want to be with somebody else who obviously just wants to be friends with them. So, so yeah, Applejack and Spike, I, I don't really have a problem with if it's done right, if they wanted to do that. And again, Disney fanatic, alternate universe wise or prime universe, whatever, I think set the tone of how it could be done. Now, getting back to what I was saying, it's revealed that Applejack has Spike. Now, I bring this up because one thing that came out of Equestria Girls, besides several romances or implied romances, is Roller Coaster of Friendship. And this centered on the friendship of Rarity and Applejack. However, it didn't come off that way. And even some of the creators behind the, uh, the special, some of the creators behind the specials or behind Roller Coaster of Friendship even acknowledged that, yeah, even though it was based on them, based on their friendship, the way the imagery was put to it, it didn't come off as that because it came off as the fact that Rarity and Applejack of Equestria Girls were becoming more than just friends. They were becoming LGBTQ, and I say that with all due respect, but they were becoming LGBTQ girlfriends, if you know what I mean. Because of the fact that when they make up and they hug, and they're holding hands like this, and they're holding hands, the blushing, like, okay, that's Lou. So, and then the way they're singing, like, next to each other at the end, it's like, okay. So, you can understand what I'm getting at, right? Hear me out. So, Spike finally gets Rarity. Applejack reveals she has Spike. Who does Rarity reveal before Spike gets Rarity or does the trade with Fluttershy to get Rarity's name? Who does Rarity reveal that she has to Spike? Applejack. Get what I'm saying? Get what I'm seeing there? That little Easter egg there? Spike gets Rarity. Sparity fans are happy. Applejack reveals she has Spike. Apple Apple Spike fans are happy. And then Rarity, before that, reveals she has Applejack. Rarajack fans are happy. You kind of give everybody something that they want, which I thought was kind of unique and cool. It's like a, it's like you have to look at it from that perspective. Like, oh wait a minute, Rarity has Applejack, Spike now has Rarity, and Applejack just revealed she's got Spike. Cool, you know. So basically, if you're a fan or supporter of each of those ships. You kind of get something in return. You kind of get what you want. But there are other ships as well. Uh, for example, when you go into Equestria Girls, it's established from the first, well, at least for the first two episodes, or first two movies, that Twilight is developed feelings for the human version of Flash Century. And we find out that when she comes back, she might have a little bit of a crush on the Pony Guard version of Flash Century. So yeah, Twilight's not immune to this. And everybody's been, and, and that was the one thing. Everybody wanted to see Twilight and Flash get together, but when it got when we got the side Twi character established as a regular uh character uh in her place, she ended up with another character called Timber. So what did that do? Well, that opened the door for Flash to get back together with Sunset Shimmer. 
Yeah, Sunset's not immune to this either. And it's hinted um, in some of the movies and specials that Sunset's developing feelings for Flash once again. So there you go. And I, and I don't have a problem with that because, you know, I think, you know, if they're going to put Sci-Twi with another character that they might as well put, you know, Sunset with, that they might as well give Flash somebody and somebody he's re- familiar with. And Sunset's a good choice. She really is. Um, but then you look, but then we look at some other pairings as well. And one of the most popular pairings, in fact, they got a big pop at the Bronies NYC react reaction to the finale. Fluttershy and Discord. What more can be said about this? It's a it's a storyline. It's a character driven, developed storyline throughout the series. That you have this sweet, shy look little Pegasus being basically assigned by Celestia to befriend and try to help redeem and bring to their side, which she does successfully, the Lord of Chaos. And that's what happens. And it's throughout the series that you start seeing that that friendship develop and become stronger and stronger. Even though it has its moments, its ups and downs, it's becoming stronger and stronger. And you notice towards like the end of the series um, how f- Discord is very protective of Fluttershy. You know, like even in the season six finale, when Starlight reveals that Crystalis and the Changelings kidnapped all the friends, Discord's reaction at first, he's like, Discord's like, yeah, I don't want nothing to do with it. But then when he hears Twilight and her friends got captured, Discord is like, they took Fluttershy? And they took, Discord's reaction instantly goes from, you know, he's not interested to literally pissed. He's like, they took Fluttershy? And when Starlight's like, yes. And he's like, where? <laughs> That's like, get out of the guy's way. But yeah, later on, he would always emphasize, you know, to Twilight or the others, take care of Fluttershy, make sure she's safe. Or when she teamed up, when he teamed up with Rainbow Dash to help Fluttershy get, help, help her get Fluttershy gift. Um, and best gift ever. You could see that he genuinely cares about her and she genuinely cares about him because when he tries to act normal in what is it, discordant, uh, what is it, discordant harmony or something like that? You know, he starts fading away. He starts destroying himself because he wants to be normal for her, but she likes him for who he is. And there's just too much imagery throughout the series and towards the finale that indicate, especially in the future, that these two are together. I mean, a lot of people point out that Fluttershy in the future is wearing like a blue bonnet, a blue flower thing in her hair that emphasizes love. Okay. Obviously, they acknowledge it. So, you know, there's that. And then... Speaking of couple, and you know what's funny? We get to the 200th episode, and I'm just going to bring this up. Blank reacts. Blank reacts. Hold on for a second.
Sorry about that, guys. I was just checking on my dog. Uh, she was just waking up again. Um, anyway, though. Anyway, uh, what was I? Oh, yeah. Blank reacts. Or blank check, as he calls himself at times. When he reacted to the 200th episode, and I'm just, uh, just in the mic here for a second. Hold on. Okay. But when he reacted to the last episode, he kind of saw the moment between Spike and Fluttershy, and he's like, oh, they're getting together, Spike and Fluttershy, or something like that. And it's like, really? You want to indicate, you want to tease Spike getting together with Fluttershy? Now, yeah, they had a team-up episode, I think, after this. Um, but still, it's like, there's no real indication that she would get together with him. But, again, one has their own opinion. Now, let's go into some other couples here. Let's talk about Pinkie Pie and Cheese Sandwich. You know, one of the things that was emphasized by, I think, Lauren Faust um, at the beginning of the series or throughout it, when she was on the run, and I think even Megan McCarthy was part of it, is that none of the main six would end up in relationships. None of them. None of the main six... Uh, would end up in relationships whatsoever. Well, throw that out the window. Throw that out the window because Pinkie Pie and Cheese Sandwich basically became official when it came to the finale. Yeah, they became official when it came to the finale. I mean, it was teased uh, in Cheese Sandwich's first appearance. It was pretty much hinted at, I guess as some people put it, at the end of his... At the end of last season's episode, Last Laugh. And then you take a look at the freaking future. And Pinkie Pie arrives at the Council of Friendship meeting with her son, Little Cheese, as as has pretty much been established, indicating she's with Cheese Sandwich. And then we see in the Magic of Friendship, the Magic of Friendship Grows song, that, yep, indeed, she's with Cheese Sandwich. It's just in the mic there. But, yeah, it is indeed revealed she's with Cheese Sandwich. So, yeah, Pinky obviously had somebody she was going to be with from the start. But, you know, and he, and you know what's funny is people look at this and they're like, well, this goes against what they said wouldn't happen. They said this would never occur. They would never get prepared in romantic relationships. That's true, but that's because of the fact that, you know, nobody thought at first that would happen. That, well, I mean, it's true, but in the end, um, like I said, in the end, you know, what, what I'm trying to say is it's true that that was you know, acknowledged, but I guess with the finale in the final season, you can get away with just about anything. So, you know, there you go. But then let's take a look at Rainbow Dash, guys. Let's take a look at Rainbow Dash. Now, you might say Rainbow Dash is too tomboyish. There's no way she'd be with somebody. Uh, Let's go back. Let's go to what I just said about the future with Pinkie Pie being with Cheese Sandwich. Who does Rainbow Dash arrive with side by side? Applejack. And there is a line in there 
as they're arriving, where Rainbow Dash is saying, you know, we would be here sooner if you would just me do the chores, well, instead of doing everything by yourself. And Applejack's response is, maybe I would if you, maybe I would, but if you just do them right. And that hinted to a lot of people, wait a minute, did this friendly rivalry become something more of the LGBTQ variety? You know, it opened the door. It opened the door to speculation and implication that Applejack and Rainbow Dash are an item, LGBTQ-wise, but still an item. But here's what's funny. Throughout the series, Rainbow Dash was actually teased and shipped with two characters. The first one was Soren, a Wonderbolt who she would become a fellow Wonderbolt with later on. Soren was the first. And everybody wanted to see these two together. Heck, there was even moments, I think, in Newbie Dash where, you know, Rainbow Dash was trying to find her place. Basically, she was trying to find her niche so she can get rid of this nickname she's had before when she was a kid. So she starts impersonating her friends. I mean, literally, she takes the advice of Twilight of, you know, be like them in a sense or whatever. She literally takes it seriously and pretends to be each, takes on the personality traits of each. So when she takes on the personality, so when she gets to, we get, so basically what I'm getting at is we get this moment between her and Soren where she takes on the personality trait of rarity. And she's literally flirting with Soren. And it's pretty much teased throughout the series that she has a thing for Soren and he probably has a thing for her. But then we get to the return of the pillars and we have the introduction of Flash Magnus officially, well, not just through story, which uh, she did earlier on um, in season seven. But we get the debut of Flash Magnus officially face-to-face with, Twi- with Twilight and all them. And pretty much everybody starts pairing these two up together because they're similar in tone. So, yeah. She was actually shipped, if not teased, with these potential ones. But the one that really, I think, won out the most was Soren, Because I think there were more... I think there was a lot of fans that were not too particularly fond of Flash just coming in, in out of nowhere because they have already had their issues with a character named Flash. You know, in some perspectives. So, Rainbow Dash being with Soren was the most logical choice. But that gets thrown out the window and thrown up in the air when you get to the uh, when you get to the finale. So yeah, Rainbow Dash is not immune to this. She's she's had pairings before as well. And well she's had shipping people have shipped her with other characters as well. And you know it's you know, it's not a surprise that you would see that. It's not a surprise. I right, said so you would at least see her maybe with somebody um, that you would probably think, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense from a long, from a story perspective. But now, but now, we get away from the main six a bit. Well, from the main. Well, we're not actually out of the main group yet. 
because we do have one more pairing. And this is a pairing that was obvious to people from the start, even though there was no indication, but there was implication, indication, speculation in the finale. Starlight and Sunburst. It's like every time these two got together after the season six finale, Starlight was happy to see him and he was happy to see Starlight. It's like, come on. It's like, come on. These two being together is obvious. Now, they never did anything official, but I think when you got to the finale in the future, if you will, it's kind of, I think, indicated or implied, yeah, they might be together, and Twilight's student, Lester Dawn, might be their daughter. Maybe. Not saying that's true. That's just mere speculation and an implication by the fans and even the creative staff. Now, Speaking of Starlight, she also gets paired with somebody else. <laughs> you know who that is, right? Yeah, if you said Spike, Spike is another candidate. That's another one for him. And why? Because of the various Starlight and Spike moments they had throughout the show. That's why they would pair them up. And I think it's because they both kind of, to a fan's perspective, understand where the other's coming from when it comes to, like, their loneliness or them not having like a special some dragon or some pony. So, but again, that's to each their own, to each their own. And I can understand by the moments that we get between them in the series, it makes sense. It, it, you know, it does make, you know, a lot of sense. But then, but now I should say we're going to get out of this and we're going to look at some other pairings. We're going to look at some other pairings. You know, we speak about Starlight, and there's one pony that people paired her up with from an LGBTQ perspective, and that's Trixie. But they also did that with Twilight. So to each their own, but Trixie has been paired up with both of them. But then we get to a couple of couple official couples outside of the group. The first one is Big Mac and Sugar Bell. Now, it was pretty much indicated that Big Mac would probably end up with somebody in the show you know, down the line, but they weren't sure who. They tested the waters with Cherry Lee. They did. They tested the waters with Cherry Lee in the Harson Day episode. That didn't go anywhere, and it was a result of them being under a love potion, but still they were testing the waters. The comics tested the waters with... All these girls just being infatuated with him. So they were testing the waters and everything. So who did he end up with? He ended up with a character that we got introduced to is introduced to in season five and wouldn't see again until about season six and seven, and that is Sugar Bell. And you went from there. And the way it was created, the way this relationship was built was done, I think, in a great way. Because basically, you dedicated you dedicated several episodes to this relationship growing. You dedicated several episodes to the relationship growing between the two until we got to the, the wedding episode uh, the Big Mac question last season. So, so yeah, 
basically you build it up to that point. And I thought it was done work. Sorry about that. Wrong number again. But like I said, I thought it was done right. I thought it was really done correctly. And it's one of the best examples of a relationship being built from the top, from its foundation, and done correctly. And believably. And then, probably one of the most popular. Lyra and Bon Bon. Yeah. It, pretty much from the beginning of the show to the end, it's indicated these two are more than just BFFs. And if the 100th episode where it focused on the secondary characters like them wasn't a clue, then the moment in the background where they're both proposing to each other in the Big Mac question and pretty much, I think, answers a lot of questions. You know? Um... But yeah, these two, because of the fact that it was obvious from the start that they were more than just friends, made them very popular in the eyes of the fans. And I don't think, honestly, you could just sit back and say, you know, there was no real clue or evidence that these two could be, you know, LGBTQ lovers or anything like that. Well, Guess again, because even the Equestria Girl versions <laughs> hinted at that as well. Uh, they had a short dedicated to them, so it, it indicated that as well. So, yeah, again, this is one of those kind of relationships in the show that's slowly built, even if it's in the background and when it's you know, and it's given time, given some moments here and there. So, I really enjoy it. So, and the result in the end, even though it was in the background, that was good. That was really, really good. So, yeah, that's really so. Yeah, Lyra and Bon Bon is probably one of the more popular ships out there in the show. That really was done in a way that, even though it was done in the background, given focused at times, was done correctly and became a huge fan favorite. But anyway, though, guys, that's pretty much all I'm going to say on this Valentine's Day My Little Pony discussion video of MLP shipped couples. Let me know what you guys think down below. Comment if you like. Thank you all for watching live and joining me in the live chat. Really appreciate your comments your comments and thoughts. But let me know your thoughts. Comment below. If you got a reply video on it, go ahead and do it. Check out the other videos on relationships from the show. Um, and let me know and let us know what you think about those. But again, thank you guys for all watching. And you will be listening to this through the various audio podcasts later on today because I will put it on there as well. But thank you all for listening, guys. Really appreciate your support. I got to get myself ready for work. And I will talk to you all later. God bless. Take care. I am out.